0: Hello, it's time for another episode of Out the Gate, your podcast about sailing and adventure on and around San Francisco Bay. I'm Ben Shaw. It's been wonderful weather here in San Francisco Bay recently, and as much as I've been wanting to get out for a sail, my time's been spent on major boat projects these days. That's okay, because I know I'm working towards some great sailing in the future, and actually, if I'm honest with myself and all of you. I love working on boats almost as much as I love being out there on the water. Right now I'm working on the electrical system and getting ready to replace all my through holes and port lights. My wife's been giving me grief because I've spent countless hours recently researching seacocks and she's right. The amount of reading I've done on the subject is it's pretty amazing, but that's what I love about it. Just when I think I've got it figured out, another piece of information pops up and it makes me dig deeper and re-examine the problem. But of course, there does come a decision point when you just have to buy the parts and start the work and I'm nearly there. Anyway, on to this week's interview. I'm talking to Barry Walton, the filmmaker who recently finished up an epic five-part documentary about an equally epic sail and surfing trip that he and two of his friends took down the California coast aboard an Islander 28. If you listen to Andy Shell's podcast, On the Wind, you may have heard guest host August Sandberg interview Barry in April of last year. Barry's trip took place 15 years ago, but his memories, good and bad, from the trip are still fresh, in part because he spent so much time reliving the experience while editing the film, which is called Reaching Reality. You can watch it on Amazon and on YouTube. All right, enough talk about it. Let's get to the interview. Here we go.
1: My name is Barry Walton, and right now I am currently residing in Melbourne, Florida, about Ten minutes from uh, Cocoa Beach and uh, Cape Canaveral, and SpaceX launches that are happening weekly. So, kind of a cool <laughs> space to be right now.
0: That is cool. Actually, a SpaceX story. Um, uh, fellow sailor Andy Shell, who runs uh, a business called Fifty Nine North, was out with a crew, I think, off the coast of Florida a couple months ago. <clears throat> they weren't aware that a SpaceX launch was happening, but they got a front row seat and they said it was quite extraordinary. Didn't know if there were missiles going off or whatever, but uh, yeah.
1: I, yeah, I can speak firsthand because I'm kind of, uh, you know, since I moved here, I've become a space geek, probably like most of the country since Elon Musk started driving uh, the uh, space industry forward. It is, it's, it definitely is kind of a, it's one of those things. And the best time to do is at night because it lights up the whole sky and then the thunderous roar. and uh, Yeah, yeah it's, it's pretty, Um. it's definitely a unique experience. I, I, every time I get the chance to take someone, if I have friends in town, I'm like, well, let's look at the schedule. Let's, let's, let's see if we can see one. So yeah, it's definitely
0: cool. Well, let's jump back to the West Coast from Florida because you reached out to me because you recently released what is it, five-part video series? Yep, yep. Five-part five part series, series yep. called Reaching Reality. I want you to tell folks about it. I watched it and enjoyed it.
1: Yeah, I mean, I don't know where the best place to start, but I, I did kind of check out your podcast, and I, you know, made note uh, that that it does kind of open up with the Bay in the San Francisco area kind of being a primary spot, and and that is where we started. We started over in Emeryville. And actually I was down in Santa Cruz and Dan who championed the trip was was up in Emeryville. Uh, well, not even Emeryville, he was in San Francisco. He was in uh, North Beach. And he had some r- crazy experience of buying a boat and got himself uh, was from an ex uh, alcoholic, military veteran that kind of <laughs> I guess uh, showed up uh, pretty hammered and whatever. That's that's irrelevant, but it was an entertaining story and I'm not going to be able to give the details because <laughs> it's his story. There was just something about him being hammered and then he disappeared and called Dan the next day and was like, I went to a bar and never made it out. Can I still, you know? Still sell you a money? boat. Yeah. So uh, he ended up buying it, um, had it in the Alameda Marina, which is a cool little marina. And, you know, and this is this has been... Uh, almost 15 years ago. So they, last time I went to Alameda, they're kind of developing it and, and it's taking shape. And there's kind of some real estate that's happening, you know, there that some nice, nice kind of condos on the waterfront. And uh, when I was there, it was not, that was not the case at all. It was still kind of run down a little bit, that area. Um, but that's where we kind of started. And that's where the, and, and the boat was, you know, like a $2,000, just kind of a gutted out. There wasn't a whole lot to it. What kind of boat Um, was it? Probably it was an Islander Bahama. I always want to say Bahama Islander, but that's, it's Islander. I don't know why it just feels feels more natural, but it's an Islander Islander Bahama. If I'm, if I'm correct. And it was like, it was a 23 foot Islander Bahama at that. So not a lot of boat. Um, Yeah. You know, I think it was when we bought it, it was at least 15 years old. So it needed a lot of work and that's where it all kind of began. That's where, where kind of the idea of this whole thing started.
0: It was you and Dan, and there was, it was three of you on this boat. I had
1: just moved out to LA, so that's where we all met. And I was living on a sailboat, you know, speaking of origin, I, and and, you know, you mentioned uh, kind of my uh, my first sailing experience. Well, my first sailing experience was in Florida, if I'm honest about it, technically I sailed a Hobie Cat off of Key West which was a very memorable experience. And, you know, anytime, I, think, I think if anyone's going to have an original sailing experience, I think a Hobie cat, a little Hobie cat, like a 15-foot Hobie cat on a, on a nice a glassy kind of day with some wind ripping off the, the opposite side of the island is a great way to learn because you get some speed, which you normally don't experience uh, if you really are traversing in a, a, a sail a sailboat, you don't really feel the speed unless you're racing. You get that speed and that adrenaline, but you also get the, the love of like catching the wind. Like what's better than catching the wind? It's, it's just, So that was originally my first sailing experience. I was maybe 19 or 20, 19 or 20 when I first had that experience. And it was a college spring break experience where we just ran down. I ran down with a friend and we, we went down there and it was just kind of a whimsical thing. We saw this guy renting, kayak, renting Kobe cats on the, on the, on the beach. And we were like, let's uh, let's jump on a Hobie cat. And you know, the water down there, it's crystal blue. You know, so that stuck in my mind. I, I grew up in Michigan, went out to LA to uh, chase my dreams. And on the way out there, uh, a friend of mine said, Hey, I didn't have a place to stay. Hey, a friend of mine has a boat. You want to live on a boat? And I'm like, Oh my God, what's better than living on a boat. So, mm-hmm uh i mean uh, versus an apartment so marina del rey and so i live down there in a 27 foot catalina it's, you know i don't know if any how many people live on sailboats but the ones who do know that the romance is far different than the reality which you know, <laughs> i mean i mean that's what this whole film's about right it's this dance between uh
0: well, well that's partly why i'm laughing is because i want to get into that but let's jump back because you, you, were three buddies, yeah, and you had a dream of, of 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 taking an adventure, a sailing adventure, and and you you had this small boat. Tell me about the origin story for that
1: dream. I was in Santa Cruz, and Dan, who had pioneered the uh, original um, a series of trips, uh, reached out and said, "Look, I I I have this idea. I want to I want to get this boat or whatever. You want to get the boat?" Dennis actually. Let me back up we originally we had finished a trip dennis said let's take a let's our next trip should be a sailing trip and this was a whimsical night <clears throat> a whimsical night down in costa rica a whimsical night at a bar midway through the next trip should be a sailing trip and that was 3 years earlier so i get a call from dan this thing sticks in dan's mind I get a call from dan i'm buying a boat we're going to do our next trip next trip's going to be going to be this the sailing trip and And it was just
0: assumed that the two of you would be on board with Dan
1: Dan is like a cult leader (laughs) just kidding no no, I'm I'm not I'm I'm not kidding he's he's got that cultic uh, personality you know some people have that they said that about Steve Jobs just like that reality warp he's got that cultic personality that just kind of pulls you in it's not a hard sell either when you're what I was 30 Everyone has a clear picture by 30 that life doesn't go forever. You're, you're aware of your mortality. So you're kind of like, I got I to gotta knock this out now, or I'm going to get married, have kids, get a job going. I'm going to get older. Dan has this idea, pitches it to me. I'm on board instantly. Even though I had a job teaching at a school and that school refused to let me go on the <laughs> give me a leave of absence. Dennis was the same but i was i was i was like i'm not going to miss this opportunity the idea of going down the pacific coast on the pacific around point conception down big sur so that, you know in this 23 foot boat for me i'm i'm i was i'm just like an adventure at that point in my life i was an adventure junkie yeah so i was like <laughs> the risk the, the the thrill of the risk
0: for me was 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 a big part of it and you beyond know, the hobie cat had you done any sailing had you done any offshore sailing on my years
1: living in the marina del rey on the 27 foot catalina i did some de- i did some deck hand work okay out to out to the catalina islands on a on a variety of boats 36 catalina some guy had a 57 foot like i don't know the the the, the brand of it but just an amazing boat and a beautiful deck and you know when you work on a boat that big and you can you know you actually have room to walk up and down to deal with the sails, but yeah. So that that had been my experience. Did Dan have sailing experience? Dan had not. Dan had not, but his uncle had been a fisherman up, well, a hobbyist fisherman up in Alaska. It had a charter boat up in Alaska. And they so, do you know
0: there. how? So, how, so which brings me to the question: How did Dan find this boat? How did he pick this boat out of all the boats? Just right price? Haphazard, probably.
1: Well, this is maybe Craigslist. I don't know. That's a good question. I mean, uh, probably from like the Juan ads or maybe he trolled marinas. Dan's a detail guy. He's an ER doc now. So, you know, there's a part of him that digs into every detail stuff. I love the idea that this was haphazard, but there was there's something about Dan that's not haphazard. I am. I'd be dead right now. If it was just me, I'd be dead. But Dan did his uh, due diligence when it came to the research. And that can be seen in the amount of work that we did on the boat. And again, no credit to me. All the credit goes to him. You know, I just bought a camera. I said, I'll, I'll, I'm coming, I'm going to film it. And then, you know, and then he put me to work, which uh, I don't know if I'm if I'm lazy or if I'm just not good with my hands, but man, I, I was, I was, and this is a big part of sailing, but I was not, and I hate to say this because probably I lost half your audience admitting my, my poor work ethic when it comes to just like, you know doing through holes for all the stanchions like uh, putting a, a, a storm hood on and and, and drilling out the, the storm hood and caulking everything and then you know reinforcing the gangway and putting in scuppers you know we had to drill out scuppers and recently i re- released some outtakes on youtube along with the series and one of them is where dan has this huge drill bit like a half inch half inch uh drill bit cutting a hole for a scupper. And then as soon as he pops it through the fiberglass, the, the bit jumps off the, the drill and j- drops in the <laughs> water. And we were, we were, we were hand to mouth. Uh, literally we were hand to mouth. I mean, um, we did not have uh, a lot of funding. So losing a $20 drill bit was a deal. And so Dan, Dan was, uh, was he originally was going to dive for it put on his wetsuit. He grabbed a hose he, he, we, you know, we got with the local guys on the dock and we're like, we're just going to breathe through a hose and we're going to, we're going to breathe through a hose and we're going to jump down and uh, we're going to recover this bit out of uh, 20 feet uh, and then into a Marina muck because, you know, those marinas are just like so nasty on the bottom. <laughs> Fortunately we didn't do that and we got a magnet and the magnet never resolved the problem and we never, re- we never recovered the bit. Fortunately, and the boat didn't sink because we got the, we got the scupper in in time. That's one
0: of the thing I, one of the things I loved about watching the series is that you guys, I mean, you made it work all the way through. You, you didn't have much of a budget. You had to find a way to make it all come together um, all through the trip. And there were certainly ups and downs. You mentioned, you know, you got the camera and that seemed to be your purpose, for this voyage? You, you decided that you were going to make a film. Where'd that idea come from?
1: I had been developing on two fronts, uh, careers on two fronts throughout most of my life. Growing up in the Midwest, my, my father being a factory worker, my mom being a bus driver, very practical people. So the idea of me being a filmmaker was kind of like a long shot from anything that they understood. So I had developed a practical side of my career, which was teaching, but I went out to Los Angeles to work in film and I dabbled in film and uh, commercial. And the point is, is that I went away from it. Commercial wasn't my deal. I did teaching for a bit. And then I was like, man, I missed the art. And so for me, I had said I'm never going back to the practical teaching side, I'm going to chase this dream of being an artist through videography and editing. And plus we had done like the trip that we did through Mexico. If I had the video footage of the trip we did through Mexico, we drove in a four by four Jeep Cherokee for from, you know, down the Baja, down the entire coast of Mexico into Guatemala, um, Belize, and down into Costa Rica with the goal of going to Panama. we, We stopped before Panama. Had I filmed that I would have another epic documentary on my hands because that was the the entertainment and the fights and the arguments that went on on that trip were were pretty epic. So that was the other thing is I was like, oh, this is going to be gold. I'm going to go on this trip. I'm going to come back with a piece of gold. Uh, that's that is not arguably the the case, but um, <laughs> well, you came I,
0: back with a good story for sure. I mean, what I love is that you had the dream of the trip itself. You had the dream of making the documentary, which you've now completed, as you mentioned, 15 years later. What was it like reliving the trip as you were editing this?
1: Life is kind of funny how it works. And what I mean by that is you have these highs and lows in life and in my twenties and thirties were pretty epic adventures like this and other adventures that I've mentioned. And I moved to Italy and other things. And then I got married and like a salmon swimming upstream to spawn, I ended up back in Michigan in my roots. And the cold winters is when I would find myself editing this. And, and I, Michigan has basements and I was editing it, editing it in my basement. So for cold winters, editing in my basement and reliving this like epic adventure of sun and surf and sailing and suffering at some level. The weird things for me with, with editing was like, I felt on, 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 several occasions compelled to call these guys back up and apologize for things that had happened like 10 years prior, huh. you know, like I'd be editing it and I was like, why was I such a dick? Like, I can't, you know, you'd just be, you just in that small space on a rainy day, you know, there was a, there was a couple, cause we left in February. So we also did not leave in like an ideal time. No, we, You know, in, in February on the Pacific coast is also big swells and bad weather. You know, we, we sailed out of Santa Barbara. We had one of the locals come and go, don't take this toy boat out past the channel. What are you guys doing? And we're like, what are you talking about, buddy? We're heading out to the channel islands and then going south
0: towards Ensenada. So, you know, did, did you have, did you have any doubts at any point Were you, were you scared? Did you, did, or did you say we can do this? I don't think um, I have that part of my mind
1: that says I should be scared when I'm in um, a situation that might not be safe. I, and, and by that, I mean, I never felt, I never felt afraid. You know, if there there was a storm, there was a squall coming in, a huge squall coming in, a lightning storm, a front coming in and, and the water was at glassy electric and we were motoring across from Santa Barbara, same, same, Portion of the trip to the the Channel Islands, and Dan was talking on camera about like you know it's like sixty percent chance of lightning. Nothing else is around. Like we're we're the we're the lightning rod going through the ocean. You know I should have been concerned. I always had this. I'll survive. My brain was always like oh, I'll survive. I'll get on. <laughs> Somehow I'll survive. I'll, yeah. I was, you know, maybe I wouldn't have, but that's kind of where my, I was always, always felt like I'd survive. I kind of, I kind of was excited at the idea that maybe things would go wrong and then I'll prove it to myself that I can survive.
0: Well, you guys um, did survive. It was kind of um, a little, de- I, <laughs> you, you guys yeah. did survive. We had never had. So go ahead. No, I mean, I, I mean,
1: I, I, I was listening to one of your guests who talked about, uh, the the ship getting basically destroyed or, or not destroyed because it survived by a by a cargo ship them getting rolled and and one of your guys jumped overboard and got tossed in the surf yes. and yeah you know, we we saw the cargo ships we didn't see them we so I, you know I'd, it'd be fun to have that story we didn't we didn't have that we you know ours ended up being a meandering philosophy of like. Um, of kind of the miseries and the pleasures at sea,
0: the highs and lows. You should be thankful you don't have that story, (laughs) even even though you're certain you're going to survive. But it wasn't always what you imagined it would be. I, I, I wanted to hear a little bit about how you reconciled what your dream was for this trip, going out, finding surf, sunny, days uh, versus the reality you named you named the series reaching reality and you talk a lot about in the series about how this isn't what you signed up for this isn't what you expected or you didn't know what to expect so how looking back on it how do you think about that
1: i think i would answer that like this i mean the reaching reality has been an obsession of my life um not just as a trip I'm, I'm always obsessed with, you know, how our brain interprets reality. And also I'm obsessed and fascinated by how delusional society and people can be. And, and they can burn through an entire lifetime living out those delusions and never like looking reality in the face and going, this is what it is, and this is what I want, and this is what I'm going to achieve. So that piece was has been an obsession of my life. But for the trip itself, I had been lucky in my days in LA, riding on the backs of, of big cruisers out to Catalina on sunny days, kicking your feet up with a warm breeze, you know, and having a couple of drinks or smoke, smoking a joint that was the my imagination when I went on this trip so for me um to go out of the golden gate and from day one just literally we got the shit kicked out of us from day one where it was just like I mean those first that first it boiled down to being about uh eight four eight eight almost eight and a half weeks and the first four weeks were just like maybe every other day or even 60% of the days were just rainy, miserable, cold. And then the boat is so small that there's no cat, there's nothing internal, there's no cabin inside the boat to really enjoy yourself. So you have to be outside of the boat to to ha- have room to stretch. I'm six foot one, you know, I couldn't stand up and, and there was no place in the boat where I could stand up completely and stretch out. So you have to go outside. So that P and then and then with a smaller boat like that. rocks. And and for the first two months, I probably dropped 10-15 pounds and built. uh, By the end, I've I've never been in the shape that I was in because my body had to work out constantly to just keep itself in place because that little boat was just like a bobber. And you guys were
0: anchoring in some pretty exposed areas as you went down the coast. I mean, you'd find little coves, but from what I could see, there were some roly nights you spent on that boat.
1: Oh yeah, I mean, long, many a nights where we, you know, we had a, an anchor forward and aft, and we're we trying to point into the swell, but then halfway through the halfway through the night, the swell shifts, you know, and you're like, what the hell? And then you have to wake up and change it. I I, I swear to God, I could compare it to being in like a, a prison at some level because. The, the moisture inside would, the condensation inside, by the middle of the night, would, the roof would be soaking wet. And we had all these, these metal bolts coming through from the from our work that we'd done, it, and they would form drips. And so you'd wake up in the middle of the night, either your bed being soaked, you being soaked in, like, moisture and sweat, or having a drip, like, sm- dropping on your head. So never, in, in the first couple of weeks, you're not sleeping. And then on top of it, the, it was an echo chamber in there. So whenever the, the anchors got pulled taut, it would just be like this. And then it would shift back. And so like for the first, you know, for the first month, like we we did not sleep. We did. And, and it's funny when I you talked about editing it and how it was editing it. Like when I would watch the footage, living it, it was not obvious why I was grumpy and mean and me and Dan were arguing it watching the footage, it became much more obvious because you're like, cold, dark, rainy, stuck in the boat, you're an asshole. You know, (laughs) sunny, you're outside getting some air, you're nice. And I was just like, dude, it is amazing how we go through life thinking that our emotions and moods are based on like choices that we're making. And and, and I'm like, it isn't. Like sometimes, you know, the grumpy person in the office, you might kind of go, maybe you should get some sleep or go to the doctor and figure out, you know, maybe you need some more sun. I don't know, vitamin D, whatever. It's like, it's like- uh, Cause and effect. Yeah, man, I was just like, so um, that was the reality. And then you sit sit in your brain and you're like, okay, I quit my job, uh, left this girl that I was digging. I'm kind of homeless. I invested all my funds into production equipment and this trip. Uh, I don't even know what I'm shooting. At this point, I I was just kind of self-taught. I'm like, I don't even know what I'm shooting. I don't know what I'm supposed to be shooting. I don't know if what I'm getting is good. Because when you film, you film for the day and you're like, when you're living it every day, you're like, this isn't that interesting. Looking back, I'm like, this is very interesting. But living it, I would shoot interviews of us inside the boat and I'd be like, this is boring. And then I'd look at it, you know, a decade later and I'm like, that's pretty crazy. Um, and some
0: of the best moments Are those moments where you guys, the three of you are down below and just discussing the trip or having a rough time and trying to figure out why you're doing this? That's one of the things I really enjoyed about watching it. It was unlike a lot of sailing videos these days, it's more contemplative and it's about your relationship with these two other guys as well as the sailing trip
1: it's good to hear you say that. Uh, and it makes sometimes that makes me think that I I missed the opportunity, more opportunities. For me, it was always a philosophy. The trip, this, this story was, was a philosophy, you know, it was, we didn't, it, we didn't achieve great heights, you know, there's guys out there that have done amazing things. And, and this trip was, was cool, but it was not amazing. And, and no, and in that, and neither in sailing nor in surfing, because we did surf, uh, although I'm convinced that we named one surf spot that uh, we are not ever going to get credit for. But apparently guys are getting rides up to this one surf spot that we kind of uncovered now. But at the time, I, I'm uh, it was v- virtually unknown, but that's irrelevant. Uh, I, I'm sidetracking myself, but yeah. So no, but between... you're
0: talking about philosophy and you have one line, you have one line in the film that really stuck out to me and I think encapsulated a lot. And you said, I may be misquoting you here, but you said when, when dreams become reality, you have to let go of your dreams. Yeah, that is the quote.
1: When dreams become reality, you have to let go of your dreams because your dreams are fictional, and in, in you know, in reality is is what's happening now, and, and that's it, it, and, and I'm convinced that that's you know for me when i said i kind of spent my life kind of trying to figure this out like this is that's that's such a big deal i mean if people can if people can capture what that means that's such a big deal and re- for er- everything in life like you know it's it's funny how people just get stuck in like how the ideal should be and it's amazing how we can go through life you know they talk about it in religions they say when people start to believe something then everything starts to align with what they believe So they they seek out things that validate what they believe. And I would argue further that this is not a religious thing. This is a human condition. We all are going through life with an idea of what life should be. And then we look at around us and go, oh, it is that way because of X and Y. And that can be positive or negative. And what I'm saying is it would behoove any given individual to be aware of that. Especially if one wants to achieve things like going on a a sailing trip (laughs) and enjoying it, even when it's miserable, because I think there's a great deal of satisfaction that comes from accepting life for what it is right and 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 it can be applied to this trip I mean the turning point in this trip was that moment what you're quoting. And it was literally this moment and and the irony of it, and these things happened, I wasn't making a film, I wasn't directing this, but the irony of it was like, the next day we were down in Punta Santa Maria and our anchor got stuck on, Dan had this fortress anchor and it got stuck in a, a reef. And man, that was hilarious. And I did not do that justice because we were so obsessed with breaking it off the reef that I didn't pick up the camera until we'd been working on it for like 20 minutes. And then I'm like, oh shit, this is hilarious. I shouldn't be helping, I should be filming. So I grabbed the camera and started filming and it's a much smaller scene than what really happened which is like, we battled that, re- like, you get stuck. Okay, first off, Dan's, this is an $800 fortress anchor that his uncle gave him. And it's probably the the boat, the boat is worth 2,000, right? So you're going, okay, we're basically losing half of the boat, half of the value of the boat in this anchor. So, you know, and and we're hand to mouth, you know, we run out, we're down to like, I think it was like 20 bucks, um, like five days out from finishing the trip because we couldn't get to any cash machines. That was the other That wasn't completely because we were impoverished, but we couldn't get the cash machines. We didn't have a ton of funds. So we didn't wanna lose this. We promised to get it back to our uncle. So there's something at stake. And then, uh, then we're stuck and we're like, we can't go forward, we can't go backwards. We can't get off of this thing. And it was ironic how like the trip prior to that had been me being stuck. I had been stuck in this loop, this feedback loop of myself telling myself what the trip should be and not accepting the trip trip for what it was. And finally like the anchor when it broke loose, I kind of broke loose and said, "Here's what the trip is. It's 80% misery and 20% pleasure." And 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 you didn't just break the anchor, for you had to to cut the anchor free, right? You had to let it go. We we worked on it so hard that it shredded. Oh, it oh, shredded the line. That's
0: right. You, you, you chafed yeah. right through the line. You lost the anchor, but then that freed you in a way. And in the same way, realizing that this is what the trip reality of the trip was going to be freed you in a way.
1: You know, the meta- metaphor, I, I chafed right through my psyche.
0: <laughs> uh, you talk about that turning moment. And in the film, there's a moment where you guys see a whale. I think you're out surfing. Oh, We're that all surfing. came together
1: at the same time.
0: Was all the same time. It's there's something. What was it about that?
1: You'd have to understand a little bit of back history with with animals. And and I dated this girl who lived on an Indian reservation in Wyoming for seven years, and her and I had taken a road trip through for two months through uh, the Baja and then around the United States. And and we had had a a few experiences with mushrooms and different things. But in, in but but based on kind of her Indian. Uh, teaching and stuff. It was not for uh, pleasure. It was more for uh, uh, life experience and observation. And one of the things that that she taught me was that you know animals, especially in on Indian reservations, Indians kind of believe that animals are messengers, right? I'm sitting in the water, and this uh, baby gray whale, which a baby gray whale is about as big as the twenty-three foot sailboat that we were in, came and basically swam underneath me. And I thought that was a pretty big message. Dan was out surfing. Uh, The guys weren't really around. It was just kind of me and this experience with this monstrous and beautiful animal. And it was out on Isla Todos Santos. and 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 the water there is like emerald green and crystal clear. And you can see down like 30, 40 feet. And you can see just these beautiful, huge boulders. So I could see very clearly this amazing animal and it's the power from its tail kind of kicking up the current as it went away from me. You know, I remember taking in that moment with Leslie being, you know, animals being messengers. And I thought that there's a bigger message here, you know, and, 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 I think the, the idea is not that like the animals like, Oh, this spirit messenger or whatever. It's, it's more the represent, it's more the symbolic idea that like there is something big that you need to look at. Right. And, and for me, the big thing was that like, dude, you you took on a huge risk, uh, left a ton of things behind. And this is a huge moment in your life. And it's not coming back. Like you get this after this moment's over, you're not. it's not coming back. Like you're out at sea right now. You're having this experience. And if you don't enjoy it, good and bad, and that's the beauty of happiness. I mean, I get stoked about this stuff because people, everyone's fighting for the good. Oh, life's got to be this way or it's just not right. And it's like it's so false. Like life is what it is. It's a balance of good and bad. And happiness comes from accepting that and being like, this is how it is, man. This is how it is. I'm going to enjoy this. The hard's going to make me grow. The good's going to make me feel, you know, going to add value to that and bring purpose to the to the growth, you know. And this huge animal, you know, going under me, and I was just like, okay, I need to be aware. And that night on the boat, I kind of had that moment. And then the next day, the anchor broke, and then I started to accept it. And, you know, ironically, with the acceptance, we moved south, the weather started to clear up, the days got warmer. Uh, the surf got better and our relationships and our bonds started to g- get better too, because I was not this big pain in the ass on the boat. They were like, oh, we're, all right, now we're you know, Barry's being cool. And we started to have fun. It turned out, it just, then it really got good.
0: It's interesting because you can sense that as the episodes progress and you guys make it farther south. When the trip ended, how did you guys leave it? I mean, what was your, how, how did your friendship change at the end of that?
1: I think Dan struggled for oh, qu- quite a few years because uh, and he never really opened up about it. Uh, he struggled with, uh, with, with kind of the experience with me. I think it was a lot harder to be with me on, uh, especially in those first months, he had to deal with it. It was his trip and he, and, 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 and arguably Dan would have, Gone alone. He's that kind of person. So then he had to deal with this boatmate that wasn't maybe wasn't so fun. I think for uh, you know, if I'm honest, I think he struggled for quite a few years. And and I worked hard to rebuild that relationship. Relationships are a big deal to me. Friendships are a big deal to me. I I don't think you find those unique uh, friends that do those things and will do them with you very often. So I I value him uh greatly so you know and, and relationships have to evolve and so uh, we worked at it and you know and, and and dan the same like he worked to get over it and kind of accept that that's kind of who i was on the trip and dennis has always been he's like a you know he's like a conductor on i i think of those remember those glass conductors on on railroads used to have like those glass uh conductors for the, for the electricity lines that would run along railroads. There were these beautiful, like green glass people collect them Mm. nowadays. I don't know if you know what I'm talking about. Yeah, I
0: think I do. Yeah. The insulators.
1: The insulators. And that was Dennis. And Dennis is like that glass insulator. He's such a beautiful person. I love Dennis. Sometimes I was the electricity and some, and Dan was the post and Dennis was kind of the insulator and, and and he kind of uh, you know, he's become more of a, our friendships become more rich. Uh, post those years, Dennis is just an accepting guy, accepts people for who they are. He loves people for who they are. He doesn't judge people. He's such a unique character. Dennis is like a Buddha. He really is. He's just this new, this Buddha type, like, I don't need to go up to up the ladder of society. I don't need to go down the ladder of society. I don't need to engage in this. I'm just gonna, (laughs) gonna be part of it. I would be chaos, Dan would be order. And Dennis would be, uh, you know, the Buddha in the middle, you know, he was just kind of that guy. Yeah, we're and we're still tight. We're still good. In fact, I think we're we might all we've been you know we've done we we were all in Santa Cruz together for the film festival for this. That was just rich. As you get older, these experiences get more rich because you realize how um, how unique and rare they are, and how fragile life is. You know, so you know, and who knows. Who knows, there might be, Dan's, Dan's got another boat, so there might be some more. Well, that was my places.
0: next question. I mean, was that your last hurrah or is, I mean, no, as you said, it gets not, harder.
1: Absolutely not the last hurrah. I definitely have aspirations of, of more. Will it be by sale? I, I would love, I would love to have the resources, but I would want to have the resources to have something that that is a little bit more of a cruiser, 40 foot-ish. Will that day come? I'm not sure, but there's more. Oh, absolutely. Do not put me in a nursing home. Push me out on a boat in the middle of the ocean with a sail. And if I got like one hand to just like pull in the main, main sheet, <laughs> just, that's how I want to go.
0: Well, that's good to hear. Cause that was another question of mine of whether you were after the misery that you went through and described, whether you were still positive on sailing.
1: Oh, I, love I, I love sailing i love the you know because sailing is bigger than the act of sailing you know and yes. uh, it's it's sailing is you know there's there's an experience to it there's a community experience part to it there's an isolation part to it you know uh it provides uh, that uh, significance for the self and it provides like a community and it and it provides, you know, all the, not to be cheesy, but the list of things that people, uh, the humans need to th- thrive, what are they like? Um, and, uh, and, you know, the variety and, and consistency and growth and whatever, contribution, all those things. But sailing kind of offers those things, you know, As you and, and so for me, and I, I'm, I am absolutely dead serious about the way, you know, like when I, you know, if, if I get old, I'm, I'm going to tell my son, I'm be like, dude, I, I don't need to as stretch out the last five years of my life on medication uh, and slowly become delusional in a nursing home. I, we'll all just have a nice goodbye ceremony. I'll I'll get a drill bit that'll drill a hole in the middle after I get like near the equator. and <laughs> But yeah, man, I, I, I'm I kind of getting down me. with the ship. Man, I'll go down with the ship. I mean, I'm getting a little bit morbid and maybe a little silly too. I mean, I don't know how life will play out, but I think you just got to keep pushing. I think you got to keep pushing out there, doing more. Yeah. I don't think you can stop.
0: That's awesome. That's a good way to live. What haven't we covered, Barry? It's been a thrill chatting with you and hearing a little bit of the backstory. This has been fun. I
1: hope it's applicable to your audience. You know, we kind of went all over the place, uh, but. Oh, Overall, like, you know, uh, at the end of the day, I think, you know, the community that listens to this are people that, that probably derive the same pleasures as you and I do from the sea and the lessons that it offers, you know, and, and also kind of the, it, for me, like the sense of purpose and meaning that I get from just being near the water and, and being on the ocean. Um, I, it's, it's not something I can, it's tangible that I can explain but uh, I, you know, and being able to talk to you and share some of these stories with you and then have that connection. I feel like you and I connected. It's funny because each time I do these, I connect on a different level. I uh, love the fact that you kind of found a value in the philosophical side of this because that's really what this was for me. But, but I think anyways, that's, we did cover a lot, a lot of good stuff. So I've, yeah, I've enjoyed it.
0: Definitely great. And tell people how they can watch Rachin' Reality.
1: There's a film festival version uh, that's been on Amazon for a little while. And that's, that's an hour and a half and a little bit more succinct. Um, but if you want to sit down in your living room on Amazon, I, I believe that's on Prime. So that that's free as well. But if you want to really dig in and see more about the whole experience that I put the series, which was my original idea on YouTube, and it's five series and they're about 30 minutes, 26 minutes each. And that really kind of is, is a more, is a longer, I think it boils down to like an, uh, two and a half hours. And then I've also got outtakes on there that add up to another hour. So there's a lot, a lot of sailing stuff on there. Some funny, uh, but the the narrative and the story is in the series itself. And and those are kind of the two homes that you can find them on.
0: After watching the full series, I feel like I, I know the three of you, and it was it was a lot of fun. It was it was, uh, and then I went and watched some of the outtakes because I wanted to see some more of the behind the scenes. So oh, um, awesome. I'll put a link to that. In the show notes, so people can find it.
1: Yeah, you and I are very similar. I, I do I do the same thing when I watch when I watch something and and if I have enjoyment, I I, I I'm like the, I'm the guy that wants to study the whole thing. Like I go into behind the scenes and watch it all. So I'm honored that and humbled that you you did, and I'm I'm, I'm stoked. So it's so cool to connect with you. Thanks, Barry. Thanks again for giving me this opportunity.
0: That wraps up this week's episode. Again, you can find Reaching Reality on Amazon or YouTube. And you can find me on Instagram at OutTheGateSailing. And if you like the podcast, leave a review in Apple Podcasts. It'd go a long way to helping other people find the show. Again, I'm Ben Shaw, host and producer of the show. And until next time, smooth sailing.